Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk. I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's episode features an interview with Sagent Vice President of Agency Affairs and Chief Compliance Officer Matt Tolley. In this episode, Tolley discusses how a Biden administration will likely impact housing regulation and what the overall change in government administration means for banks and lenders when it comes to housing. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. They say money talks, so why can't we? Housing Wire is thrilled to introduce its newest podcast, Girl Funds, a show where we give you our two cents on money. We love to talk with our girlfriends about everything except our finances. We're here to bring money back into the conversation, hosted by me, Brendan Ath, along with our editor-in-chief, Sarah Wheeler. Be sure to join us every week starting this Wednesday for our girls' night focused on everything from how to pursue your dream of owning a home to affording your best friend's wedding. Each week, we'll have a special guest join us as we intertwine finance and friendship. Hello, Housing Wire guests. Today, I'm joined by Vice President of Agency Affairs and Chief Compliance Officer at Sagent, Matt Tully. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Victoria. Yeah, of course. Well, I want to get started by discussing the recent presidential election. As we're now 43 days away from Inauguration Day, there's still many concerns pertaining to housing regulation under a new administration, and one area of focus is the CFPB. Though we're still unsure about the future leadership at the CFPB, how strong of a role is CFPB likely to play under a Biden administration? I think it'll absolutely take uh, a very strong role. Take a step back, though, for a moment. What's, What's interesting to me Uh, Having lived through a few of these now, if you think back to 2008 and the housing crisis, we had a major election, we had a turnover in control of the White House, the economy was a mess, people were reeling and and, and wondering what was going to happen in in the new administration. There was no CFPB, there was no Dodd-Frank. And, you know, what's different, obviously, about this time than what we had in 2008 was the, the financial crisis that we're in is driven by a pandemic. Housing's actually been a, a strong spot. So we're not necessarily having to recreate from whole cloth the regulatory system. We have Dodd-Frank in place. We have 
mortgage servicing rules. We have new originations rules. The, the CFPB has been around for some time. Originators and servicers have, have been used to working under CFPBs now for two different administrations with different flavors. So where I think uh, you'll see probably the biggest change is just around enforcement generally. Um, and, and there'll probably be some rules that will be revisited as well. I would expect, for instance, the FDCPA rule that the uh, CFPB just published may end up being revisited. There'll probably be some questions around what they do with QR, uh, the uh, the qualified mortgage rule and, and probably kicking out the patch a little bit longer and revisiting uh, what Director Craninger did. But I think in general, what we've seen in talking to our clients over the last couple of years, the CFPB hasn't gone away. They're still, be, they're still getting examined. They're still getting questions. It's probably just the frequency and their pressure around those, those examinations will, will increase relative to what they've experienced over the last four years. It's interesting. Well, let's discuss the FHFA's final capital rule for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Housing Wire reported the rule was initially met with mixed reviews by the mortgage industry. How do you personally feel about the rule? And do you believe it will remain in place under Biden's administration? So I think it's, yeah, it's an interesting question. You know, I, I, the way I think about it is it's, it's, it's one of the last chapters of a very long book. Uh, it's kind of amazing when, when you think about the conservatorship turned 12 in September. No one ever thought that the GSEs would be in conservatorship for as long as they have. So it's, that's three directors. That's Ed DeMarco, Mel Watt, and Mark Calabria, and now four administrations, Bush, Obama, Trump, and, and Biden. So in a lot of ways, this is a view into what the future could look like of two entities that are outside of, of government ownership and government control. Uh, I would expect, obviously, that uh, the Biden administration will want to put their touches on housing policy. And I think that goes obviously all the way up to uh, what they decide to do with, with keeping director, director Calabria around or, or not. Um, but in general, for me, it's, it's, it's kind of a view into the future of there may be some tweaking. You know, there was, I know, some feedback around uh, concerns. If you look at the capital numbers, it was something like the initial proposal was $263 billion, and this is $285 billion. I mean, What's 20 billion amongst amongst friends when we're talking about you know hundreds of billions of dollars uh, probably equates to to five to seven percent more more capital. Uh, obviously, we'll see if that really has the impact in in um, uh, in the price of of credit as some people have raised concerns about. But I think generally you have to take a step back and look at the process, which is this un, unsolved question of what is the future of the GSEs. And it's it's a it's a mile marker. I, as I said, I would expect the, the Biden administration will want to have their, their say on it, but it is, it is at least one view of what the future looks like. Well, another area of focus we're looking at under the Biden administration is the OCC. Housing Wire reported yesterday that the OCC announced the appointment of two executives to the agency's executive committee. What does this appointment mean for banks and lenders or the overall change in government administration mean when it comes to housing? Well, again, I think it's it's not dissimilar to the CFPB. You're going to see new people brought in, uh, I, you know, basically, um, those positions are not uh, presidentially appointed. So those are things that are done at the direction of, of the head of the OCC, which right now is Brian Brooks. Uh, President Trump has submitted his nomination. Whether or not the Senate actually gets to it, who knows? I think that's a, that's a coin toss at this point. And even if he does get it, uh, he can be removed. So uh, whether or not they stick around a new administration, I think is is to be seen. Obviously, um, it was Sidney Menifee and um, Greg, I forget his last name. Um, that'll come to me, but uh, both, you know, career OCC uh, employees who obviously have deep background in this, which I think is what you want. Uh, but in a lot of ways with, with these administrative agencies, it's the tone at the top. And 
you know, looking at, at the letter that Chairwoman Waters sent to um, the, the transition team last week, uh, progressives on the Hill obviously have very high demands for what they think the agency should be doing. And I think that will obviously influence some of the personnel decisions uh, that will drive where, where OCC goes and, and probably revisiting things like the CRA rule and whether or not they allow the chartering of industrial loan companies, how much they go into the fintech space, those types of things. As we head into 2021, Americans will be governed by a new administration during one of the most dangerous global pandemics in modern history. How can banks and lenders prepare consumers for this changing ecosystem? So I think a lot, you know, a lot of what we hear from our clients and a lot of what we're working on from a technology standpoint is what is that borrower journey? And, and you, you hear a lot of people talk about the K-shaped recovery, uh, the people who, who have jobs or are taking advantage of refinance opportunities or are leaving the cities and moving out to the suburbs. And, and trying to move into those 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 new homes, and then you have you know the the, the less fortunate cases, which are the people that have obviously been uh, impacted by COVID and and need forbearance, and ultimately need to move out into a payment deferral, some type of modification, or can't stay in the home. Um, either way, uh, our focus at Sagen has really been around what is that borrower journey, both the happy path and 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 the unhappy path. Uh, you know, Rocket obviously jump-started on the origination side of the house, uh, what the borrower experience is uh, expected to be in terms of the ease with which uh, you get a mortgage. And one of the things we've been saying to our clients is if, if originators are the finders of, of borrowers, servicers need to be the keepers of, of those borrowers. And so having a, a digital experience in, in um, uh, from the mortgage servicer that allows the borrower to obviously manage a refinance or if they wanna take cash out of their home, or in, in the less fortunate case where they're going through loss mitigation, having a channel where they can easily upload documents, uh, a request forbearance, request an extension for forbearance, uh, make things easy at a time when, when life is, is challenging and probably not going so well uh, for a lot of borrowers. And so that's where our focus has been. And, and what we're hearing from a lot of our servicing clients is, is that that borrower journey. I think a lot of the, the exciting things that happened in originations over the last couple of years have finally trickled their way through to, to servicing. And, and that's where we expect a lot of the attention will be in 2021. What are the main ways borrowers have exited forbearance and what does this mean for servicers? Yeah, so it's interesting. We've we've been uh, obviously following the trends that are coming out of the um, the MBA surveys every week, and for uh, a period of time, it was really three three main ways. Uh, there were borrowers who um, exited forbearance because um, they never stopped paying their mortgage, so they were current, so it was very easy. They didn't have any foreborn amounts to make up. Uh, you had borrowers who were, who were reinstating. Uh, basically, the, the the amount of money, let's say your mortgage payment, use easy math, was $1,000 a month. You didn't pay for three months, so you owed your servicer $3,000. They wrote a check for $3,000, gave it to the servicer, off they went. And then the third largest um, uh, exit reason had been the payment deferral, which was the, the, the kind of the easy way out that the GSEs had, had uh, made available in July, which is taking all the foreborn amounts and tacking those on as a non-interest bearing second lien. A couple of weeks ago, we started seeing some interesting trends where we had borrowers just exiting uh, with, with, with no plan. And uh, there's been some, some talk, and we actually did a blog post on this recently around uh, borrowers ghosting servicers. So uh, one of the quirks of the CARES Act was that there was not an automatic extension of forbearance. So if you requested that first six months, you then had to, to make a request for the second six months. And even though servicers have been making every possible effort to get in touch with, with borrowers, some borrowers have, have just ignored it. 
and have unfortunately exited. And so they're in this kind of weird limbo between forbearance and foreclosure where uh, servicers are having to send breach notices, sending unsolicited uh, flex mod uh, offers, things of that nature, uh, before obviously um, they move down the line into foreclosure, which they can't do right now because of the moratoriums. And, and we've seen uh, there was a spike in that a couple of weeks ago around uh, early October, which roughly coincided with the beginning of all of this in the first six month period. It's gone down, but it is somewhat of a, a, a uh, unnerving trend just because borrowers are, you know, they're entitled to take the full 12 months if they want. And all servicers are trying to do is, is make that contact. But if they don't pick up the phone, respond to the mail, and we've even heard uh, from clients that are doing door knocking campaigns, which is obviously challenging to do in a pandemic and people aren't answering the door. Uh, you know, you hate to see that, but there's not really much else you can do. The industry does have um, a, a public uh, initiative that's going on right now called Not Okay, That's Okay, uh, where they're trying to target borrowers, say, you know, it's okay to pick up the phone, we're not calling to collect on you, but just to make them aware that you have a full 12 months, you should take advantage of it. Before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to add today, Matt? So, you know, it's interesting, before all this, we talked a little about the, you know, all the, the excitement that was going on in the originations world, kind of making its way into servicing. And, and I would say at the start of the year, even MBA servicing, which I think was the last business trip I went on before we, you know, we, we stopped traveling. Um, there was a lot of discussion around what the future would look like and what that borrower experience is in, in servicing. The thing, I came from the origination side. So the thing that always fascinated me about the servicing world is originators spend so much money getting the phone to ring and getting someone in the door and then service, you know, borrower walk out the door down the street to the next person because they have a better rate or, or whatever the case may be is how do we establish that relationship? How do we raise the bar of the expectation? Because one of the quirks of our system, of course, is that you don't get to choose who your servicer is. You just, you land wherever, depending on how your loan was originated. And so I, I do think we will see that, that going forward again of, what is that borrower journey? How do we recapture, retain those borrowers? But there's the happy path and the unhappy path that we, we talked about. And 2021, I think, will be all about, especially for those borrowers impacted by COVID, how do we move them through the system? How do we make sure that we're able to keep them in their homes? You know, the, 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 the positive piece of all of this is because we have very clear mortgage servicing rules and very clear standards. We're not gonna run into a lot of the problems we had in 2008 where you had people dual tracking so you could work on a loss mitigation while the servicer could simultaneously uh, pursue foreclosure. There's very clear guardrails in place to make sure the borrower is protected. Uh, but again, if the borrower doesn't respond to those solicitations, you know, what do you do? And so I think a lot of 2021 will be managing through a lot of those processes. I don't expect, for instance, we're gonna see a lot of rule changes around around servicing, but I do think, think there's going to be a lot of pressure from from the regulatory agencies, obviously around how you're you're managing uh, servicers in in a, in a CARES Act um, uh, environment, and then actually moving them through whether it's the deferral or the loss mitigation, and and especially loss mitigation takes a lot more work. So servicers have really stepped up to the bar, in my in my opinion, in terms of managing this process. But in a lot of ways, going on forbearance is easy. Uh, loss mitigation is going to be a lot more complex, and and you know we'll we'll strain servicers. Though I I do think uh, you know based on our discussions with clients, they they are well prepared for it. All right. Well, thank you again, Matt, today for your time. We appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. 
That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Weaver and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.